now. Scotland's talking. Call 0333-2020-401 and join the debate. And a very good morning from me, Ali Bally. Welcome to this week's edition of Scotland's Talking. On the programme between now and midday, telling it like it really is on sectarianism. Was the Kilmarnock manager, Steve Clark holding a mirror up to Scottish society when he spoke out about the abuse he receives from supporters? I was assured. No, we don't have that in the west of Scotland anymore. It's gone. <laughs> also on the show, what do the defections from the Labour and Tory parties say about the state of British party politics? When we allowed a cabinet minister to say F business and we have a prime minister bullied into submission by the ERG, I'm done. I cannot remain in a party that I have today come to the sickening conclusion is institutionally anti-Semitic. The hardline anti-EU awkward squad are now running the Conservative Party from top to toe. Do you think it's the start of a new era? And a mum from Edinburgh is sharing the story of how her 11-year-old son was threatened at knife point by another kid in a play park. When you hear a child saying to you that somebody's been pointing a knife at them, it's horrific. It is a parent's first nightmare. It's coming up on Scotland's Talking. Here's the number if you'd like to join us. 0333 2020 401. Scotland's Talking. The podcast. Are we still living in the dark ages? That was the question posed by the Kilmarnock manager, Steve Clark, after he had sectarian abuse aimed at him uh, during Wednesday night's Scottish Cup tie against Rangers. It's lovely. It's nice being back in the west of Scotland, eh? Really nice. When I was approached by Rangers about taking over the job here, I was assured. Now we don't have that in the west of Scotland anymore. It's gone. <laughs> yeah, they can call me... No problem, thanks guys. No problem. But they come Come on. We're, we're, we're living in the dark ages. They're not allowed to call my sister a, a black bee. Yeah, but they can call me a That's correct? Is that correct? What are we doing in Scotland? You know, I wake up almost... I wake up every morning. And I thank Chelsea for coming and taking me away from the west of Scotland because my children don't understand this. They don't have anything to do with this. My children have nothing to do with it. They don't understand. So thankfully, when I go down there, my children, my grandchildren, they don't need to worry about this. So, fantastic to be back in Scotland. The Ranger manager, Stephen Gerrard, says they do take a stand against it. Myself and everyone at this club doesn't support any kind of unacceptable behaviour from the terraces and we want to try and stamp it out of the game in general um, so we're always talking about the football um, that's all I've got to say Now before anyone thinks this is a one-sided debate it's worth remembering that Kilmarnock player Chris Boyd said he was subjected to sectarian abuse and had a coin thrown at him during a league game against Celtic a week ago. The Scottish FA said it condemns in the strongest possible terms the spate of incidents involving unacceptable conduct. Conduct. So, does it take someone who's come back from living down south, like Steve Clark has, to hold up a mirror and remind us of the reality of sectarianism in Scotland. 
It's been described as a cancer in Scottish society. It can't be just brushed off as a football problem, can it? David Scott works for the anti-sectarian charity Nil by Mouth, which was founded 19 years ago, to try and tackle the, the problem. And David joins us now. Good morning, David. Good morning, Ali. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Now, 19 years has passed, as I say, since No By Mouth was founded. What, what do you think has been the progress in those 19 years? I think there's been a lot of progress right across society in terms of tackling sectarianism, uh, almost to the point where it's over, in some ways, not every way, it can be over-magnified now in society via internet, via um, social media, via the 24-hour news society that we are in. Every instance is picked up on and reported and looked at. And that can sometimes lead us to think that the actual problem is a lot bleaker than it actually is now. It's without question there are still people with deeply held sectarian attitudes in Scotland. Attitudes that can manifest themselves physically in terms of violence, in terms of verbal abuse, in terms of those small little acts of prejudice like stopping people, perhaps having relationships with people um, from a different religion, um, jobs people can apply for, all those things. There are still people in society who practice those beliefs. Now, is it better than 20 years ago? Yes, yes it is. Because we're finally starting to talk about it and act on it and look at it and reflect upon it. Put things in place in schools and workplaces and colleges and universities to make people think about it. We've seen a lot of a huge rise in terms of things such as interreligious marriage, so people marrying across religious boundaries. So there has been a lot of progress made. However, there are still these people who cling to these attitudes, but, and it happens at football matches. Mm-hmm. So what we have is the idea that Professor John Curtis, who I'm sure you've you've interviewed and talked to before, yeah. you know, the, the great political soothsayer, he produced research that showed eighty eight percent of people in Scotland see football as the main driver for sectarianism. Now if you dig into the actual evidence, there's around seven hundred arrests every year for religiously aggravated offences. About a third of those are related to football. So eighty eight percent of people perceive football as being the big issue. When it comes to things such as arrests, there's a third of it, so 33%. So football clearly has an issue, but there's also a perception gap between the reality of the problem, I think, and you know how we perceive it and how we see it. Also because football is the national sport of Scotland, and you know, our nation of football lovers, um, you have phone-in talk shows in your own station, you hear of, sort of Sky Sports News and all the various things. So football's a big powerful thing. People see that more in the back pages of the newspaper. So things that happen to football are magnified and reflected in this huge way. And also, sadly, there are people who think that when you go through the doors of a football stadium, you can behave in a way that you wouldn't outside. And mm-hmm. this sort of herd mentality where you can, you can perhaps tackle one or two people doing it individually, but when perhaps you're dealing with dozens, hundreds or thousands, which has been the case in the past in Scotland, it's incredibly difficult for the police to act and do things, which is why groups like Nobel Mouth argue for things such as strict liability or some sort of system that can tackle it at that group mentality. And that, that's the big issue. I think there's a there's a kind of um, safety in numbers for some people um, when we go into it. And we should also stress the majority of people who go to football matches are good and decent human beings. You know, and sometimes I'm mindful we, we can discuss this issue and people are at home tearing their hair out going, I've gone to football 40, 50 years and I've never called somebody these names. I never would. It doesn't interest me. The difficulty is those who have those attitudes seem to shout the loudest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you're in a sort of area, even just in terms of how microphones pick things up, how things hear, if you're listening to a game on the radio, the chanting and things that you can kind of hear, if you get hundreds of people shouting this abuse out, it really reflects poorly on the club involved, the section of the support involved, the game itself. Steve Clark bringing it to, to the attention, really. Is, is it a bit of a, a jolt saying 
hey, come on, take a look at yourselves. That's what he was trying to do, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, I, th- I think there, there, were, there was certain emotion and exasperation in his voice, because obviously one of his players had had sectarian abuse a few days before. Mm-hmm. He had received it. I think he gave it, the two of them, Chris Boyd and, and Steve Clark, gave very an interesting interview on Friday afternoon. And what was quite revealing was Chris Boyd, who has spent the majority of his life and career here. I think he was, he was down in Middlesbrough in America for a while, but most of the time he spent here, he was like, look, it's not pleasant, but it comes with a turf. It comes from, I've been an old firm player. That's what I got paid the money for. It was almost this kind of acceptance. Look, that's the way it is. Steve Clark was very different. He had obviously cut his teeth down in England. He's been away for 20, 20 35 years. A uh, very respected coach, very well thought of down in England. And he was coming back thinking, you know, this hasn't been in my life. The reflection, and this isn't my pe- this isn't my kids' experience. This isn't my grandkids' experience. That was very powerful. The contrast, one almost accepting. I played for a team, and this is what comes with it. And another person saying, oh, you know, I've been away. I've seen the rest of the world, and it isn't like this. So you have those sort of differences between I think what people expect. That idea that sometimes when you ask with, I think the. The progress has been made over the last 20 years, uh, or, or you know, particularly since Mark Scott was murdered in, in 1995. I think the fact that we don't always dismiss it now as banter. It used to be a case that sectarian abuse was just seen as banter, and those given it were like, don't mean anything bad, just a bit of fun, when actually sometimes there was quite nastiness in between it. So that idea of, of I think for some footballers, they join clubs, and I would imagine their PR teams just telling you, look, this is what comes with the territory with it, and you just have to get on with it. And that, I think, is also quite depressing, because we shouldn't forget... Both Steve Clark and Chris Boyd were going to their work. You know, yeah, yeah. when he's recent time has been going to his work. I've heard Stephen Gerrard abuse when he goes to his work. You hear people say they're going to their work. They're doing again. Football's a passionate game, but there is absolutely no excuse. I tire of these pathetic things that people say. It's just a game. It comes with it. Look, you can you can register your support. You can register this without reverting to racism, sectarianism, homophobia, or abusing people because you're different. And also the idea that one person does it and the rest of them shout up. And it's interesting because when we post things in social media sites, particularly things like Twitter, a lot of negativity comes your way, and a lot of it is from people who don't use their real names. They use avatars. They, they, they don't put their name to it. While if you look at our Facebook posts, it's a lot, it's a lot more rational. People will say, because they have to put their name to it. They have to actually say, this is what I think. Stand there's up also, and be counted. There's also a gutlessness about these people who will sit amongst us and shout and abuse people uh, and, and you know try to intimidate even fans of their own clubs by saying, like, we speak for the clubs. The vast majority of people who go to every football club in Scotland are decent human beings. They have no interest in this stuff. There is particular issues in Glasgow. There's no getting away from that. You know, there's issues with football, football there that we have to confront and try to deal with. But it's easy for football to say this is society's problem. That's what I hear. This is society's problem. It's not ours. Now, football receives millions of pounds every year, be that for tackling things like obesity, antisocial behaviour, integrating refugee communities, because football can be a very positive for it. I live here in Gal Shields, um, you know, our local football team, Galaferdy Knows. It's amazing. It's a brilliant club and it's a community and there's hundreds of young people using it and there's disability teams and women's teams. And it's a wonderful community asset for, for the area that I live in. And all 42 of the SPFL clubs will have similar setups and systems there. But what happens is a lot of these ones are actually funded by public money, by public interests. So what football says is, look, society has problems. That could be obesity. That could be whatever. We can help solve it. Yet when it comes to a problem that football clearly is a contributor towards insectarianism, football runs to the back of the queue. It hides. It says it's society's fault. Mm -hmm. So we've also a certain selectiveness 
um, from the clubs in terms of the social evils that they wish to confront. And I would say they actually go for the easier ones and the ones that are attached with a check quite often rather than the things that actually, you, you know, they can have an impact on. Uh, the, the exception, of course, is when they compete in European football. UEFA has a very, very different set of rules, um, unfortunately. And this is someone who I generally like Scottish football. I love living in Scotland, as you tell from my accent. I'm, I'm from across the water. I've lived in Scotland 20 years now. Scottish football's processes for how they deal with these problems. So, you know, you have Chris Boyd is the victim of sectarian abuse on Sunday. Steve Steve Clark is the victim of sectarian abuse on Wednesday. It'll be a joke trying to see how these things are reported because last year it was exposed. The BBC highlighted a a report that match observers who had put in their reports sectarian abuse to the authorities just so those things effectively shredded and ignored. The clubs don't want to deal with it. The governing bodies don't want to deal with it. They hide from it. And if you took, and I know this is a political show, if you took, for example, a housing provider, a health provider, where these concerns were brought forward and they were just routinely ignored, you would slaughter them. Ministers would have to walk the plank because there's accountability for it. We do not apply that to football. We allow football the invisible touch of its own regulation. And that unfortunately means that when it doesn't act, you're going to have to consider, you know, do do, do parliaments have to act? Do parties have to act? Do we have to have a change in the licensing system? So, for example, if you're in a public house or a pub across Scotland, you have to report to licensing committees. If you're not the round property, you can be deemed an unfit person to hold a licence. Is that something you have to look at in terms of football, that idea of, I hear football every so often talking about it wants to sell alcohol at games. Would that mean having to tap into a licensing regime and actually, if it's found that there's repeated instances of sectarian, racist, aggressive behaviour at your games, do you have that licence taken from you? So these are some of the things that we have to, we have to, to, to look at and deal with. Um, I'm sure if we come on later on, I would also highlight, this is some of the negative stuff. A lot of positive things. I mean, I know for our organisation, we can't actually cope with the amount of of schools and colleges and workplaces wanting to work with us. We have a waiting list for people wanting to get involved and do things. Some amazing work in schools. So so there there is ongoing work in a positive sense to to try and eradicate some of this. And the difficulty, Ali, sometimes is I understand it because in this sort of 24 hours news world that we move in and we live in. Something that happens in football with public figures, people folk know, people are influenced, that's reported and picked up and, and really heavily focused on. And of course fans will scrutinise whether well, the media are being fair, are they not, their own perceptions, you know, you know, football's a game of opinions and never more so when when this issue comes up. But there's also some amazing work. I can give you schools in Moss End, the Holy Family Primary School we do absolutely astonishing work out there. The work that those schools do it's probably the best I've seen in Scotland. There's schools, we have worked in about 18, 19 local authorities in the last year. We've worked with the City of Glasgow College. We're working in universities. We've blue chip, top class, some of Scotland's top business have signed up to make sure work, you know, sectarianism is tackled in the workplace. So there is a lot of good stuff coming. The problem was, it's like anything else. Shock stories are bad news. Yeah, and bad yeah, news is reported. And, and Headline news. Exactly. That's, that's probably a better way of putting it. David, thank you very much indeed for coming on and telling us a little bit about the work and where you see it going anyway. And it's, it's good to see uh, just at the end of it that you are talking about some positive steps being taken. Thank you, David. Thanks very much. Thank you. David Scott uh, from the anti-sectarian charity Nil by Mouth. Uh, also, uh, we'd hope today, uh, Cathy Jameson would have joined us. Uh, Cathy is the former Justice Secretary who campaigned against sectarianism and uh, now on the board of Kilmarnock Football Club. Unfortunately, uh, she's lost 
lost her voice and not feeling too well uh, this morning. So, Cathy, all the best to you. And uh, maybe catch up with you some other time. But thank you for uh, agreeing. But this morning, unable to, to join us. But you can, of course. The phone number, 33 Joseph's dialed that number. Good morning, Joseph. Good morning, Ali. Nice, fresh Sunday morning. Indeed, yes. So what's your thoughts then? Well, Ali, we'll never change it in the west of Scotland because from the top, people... They open their mouth, yes, I hate the bill, it's terrible about the bigots, no, Alec, they do nothing. They do absolutely nothing. They just come on for a couple of seconds, speak their mind, and then they shut the door, Ali. They'll let them, let them go on there. I lived in Glasgow, Ali, and I used to go to the football years ago when we could mix together. I remember the old jungle in Parkhead, half and half, Ali. They supporters were there, we'd be there, we'd shout, ball, but it was no animosity, Ali. We used to leave with our friends, Rangers and Cell supporters, go for a pint. And then 1969, the risings, uprisings in Belfast and all that changed the, the prospect of the football alley. Celtic Park built a fortress alley between Celtic and Rangers supporters. It was a total disgrace alley. A big steel high fence alley, about 20 or 30 feet high, with spiky things on it. Now, what does that tell you, alley? How bad it is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When that happened. And then you went to a game, we could go to a game and mix alley together. Shout our heads off, no trouble, no fine. But surely it comes to just what David has been talking about there, uh, Joseph, in the fact that the, the clubs have got to tackle this. You cannot just keep saying this will never change in the west of Scotland. That's just what you said, this will never change. Surely we just cannot keep on going like that and burying our head in the sand. Can yes, I, I, I agree with you, Ali, but the point is, why do these people at the top keep doing it? Not, not, not doing it for a couple of minutes, Ali, and then hit, going away. It's got to be every day, Ali. Get these pubs. It, it's not... See me go by some pubs, Ali. They're all done in their colours. That shouldn't be allowed in Glasgow, all these, uh, these type of flags that's flying outside these pubs, Ali. That's, that's the problem, Ali. Why are they allowed a licence to do that? These pubs are there for people to drink and No, it causes trouble, Ali. And these people, these type of pubs are not. It's, it's not just Glasgow that you have pubs oh, no, that no, are, are necessarily leaning towards one other club. I mean, you'll get that in, in various cities that there in Edinburgh, Hibs and Hearts. You'll get Hibs, Hibs pubs, Hearts pubs, Dundee, Dundee. Oh, Lights I understand Dundee. that, Ali. But so it's, it's not just the West. What's but, wrong with that? But they're, they're, with them, when the, the, these marches are on, Ali, they tend to go to these pubs and they're standing out shout. And you can't get by from them. You can hear the bile coming from. What's a, what's a Mark Scotty Davy Celtic Rangers alley? Why did he wear these football colours at marches when it, when it was nothing to do with the, the, their side of the religion and side of the football? That's where the big problem lies, alley. They'll never, never learn. You've got to, the kids have got to be learned. The families bring their kids up. You see them at walks, alley. Young, young boys and girls. And you see them there. And where I live, alley, it's a disgrace when they come into the city of Glasgow. It just goes one big humbug because nobody's frightened to go, go for their messages Ali, because they dominate the city centre and it's terrible Ali. we've got to get through this all the time I thought that was all stopped Ali but we seem to have it here in this part of the, the country and it's just getting out of hand the people that run the football the people at the SFA the courts and the thing, they should get in there hammer them hard Ali. they know who they are I mean what's the point of having CTV cameras Ali? they see them who is doing the trouble get them all in don't say It'll be part of the back. It'll be a hundred pound fine. They're, they're laughing, Ali. Hundred pounds, nothing to them. Give them a sense, Ali, and they'll know all about it. Okay, Joseph, that's his view. What is yours? It's all about opinions. You're listening to Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talking. Some comments coming in regarding a topic that we're talking about at the moment: sectarianism. Uh, Steve Hamilton says. 
Um, football blames society for the problem and anti-sectarianism groups blame football. Therein lies just one of the problems. Uh, Stephen goes on to say, ask the medical staff at A&E after old firm games. Ask women's groups about the rise in domestic abuse after old firm games. And ask the police about the number of arrests before, during and after old firm games. Steve Clark was right. Uh, Stephen says, I left Scotland 23 years ago. And like Steve Clark, I'm thankful I don't have to put up with that any of that nonsense. I'm normally an optimist, but on this occasion... I feel sectarianism is here to stay. Thank you very much for that. Okay, uh, keep your comments coming in. David's on the line. Hi, David. Good morning, Ali. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Good, good, good. Ali, I just want to maybe put my point across. Obviously, there's an ongoing discussion, debate regarding issues of Scottish football. I read a Dave King's statement just at the end of the week. Commendable. His words were very accurate, very strong. However, I do feel statements coming from various clubs of that nature are almost in a pro forma basis. We have heard it before. Uh, it's in the papers for two or three days, maybe a week. And then things settle down. You know, we will work in conjunction with our partners to identify who's responsible and take appropriate action. That's the correct words to use. But Ali, we've heard them before. Nothing seems to get done. We never hear any follow-up to suggest that offenders have been caught. They've been put through the courts and whatever punishment is thereafter given. The statements come out, we read them, we hear them, we debate them, and that's it. I think until clubs are started to give in sanctions by SFA, UEFA, etc., etc., I think only then will the clubs take more or, or stronger action. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying or suggesting that clubs have got to get dock points or have to play games behind closed doors. But most grounds now know who's sitting on the seats through the ticket allocation and obviously tickets allocated to season ticket holders or registered, obviously, away game uh, holders for tickets. So nine times out of ten, the clubs know who's sitting on the seats. So action has to be taken, Ali. I don't know what your thoughts are. So you're you're thinking it's the clubs that should be uh, sitting up and be taking uh, some responsibility for it. I'm just looking at another comment coming in here. Um, on text from Bill, and Bill says, I think that if they were to dock a point a game when sectarian chants were heard, it would go a long way to stamping it out. But I don't think it will ever happen. I, I agree. I agree with comments. If your club is sitting neck and neck at the top of the league and there's four or five games to go and you're docked a point, it will make the offenders, the supporters, realise that, oh, maybe I've been responsible for this. Maybe this is my fault. Maybe my club won't win the league or this, that and the other, then the clubs may sit up and, and take notice or do they play if there's a centuries at whatever matches old firm matches, away games where I think the problem is very uh, it's very relevant that away matches, the away supports seem to have a, an attachment as well to this if supporters are, are banned from away games if home games are played behind closed doors then it hurts the club financially you know, then they maybe start mm-hmm. to take I stand, to stand up and take notice to this. You know, as I said before, I'll maybe repeat myself here, but the statement coming out, we've heard them all before. There needs to be action yep. taken from or taken on them. I agree with what you're saying, but it's not just football either, is it? That that's sectarian it's not, course, it's not that it comes to the fore. It's not really. It's not. It's, these are maybe hard words. And, and the, to say, Ali, Scotland has a deep rooted problem. It's a deep rooted virus that is plaguing this country. 
you're hearing Steve Clark's comments overnight. I totally substantiate everything he said, but I can just picture the media at the conference saying, and the reaction when he started, they would say, oh, goodness me, where's this coming from? And you could you could see the, the, the upset, the anger, and the pain in Steve Clark's face. You could hear the anger and the upset in his voice. His press conference was, I think, needed. You know, if an aside here, if somebody goes into your house at night and that person commits a crime, yes, the person responsible will be obviously looked at at the crime, but the person whose house it is may share a bit of responsibility as well for allowing that person in. Mm-hmm. A football ground is Celtic's house, it's Rangers' house, and it's managed by chief execs, directors, etc. So if somebody comes into their house, their stadium, have they got responsibility for that person? Yes, they have. Yes, they have. You know, it's maybe a, it's a strange comparison to make, Ali. But I think you think you understand where I'm coming from. I understand where you're coming from. I, I also feel, though, that it's, it isn't just football. You know, that it happens in society in Scotland. And, and with Steve Clark saying, you know, what he has said, and we're talking about it here, and, and, and I... I um, as I say, it comes out through football matches, yes, but it, it mm-hmm. goes on, as David uh, Scott was talking about for, from No By Mouth earlier, it's, it's other parts of society is going on as well. Uh, it is. I, I think football is used as, as an avenue for this. Yes. Yeah, you yeah, know, this, yeah, yeah. this problem stands back a century, and hopefully in another century, when we are obviously not here, we'd like to think that the, the problem's gone, and it's for our children, grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren to live. I'm from Dumfries. I spent maybe 75% of my time in Glasgow through work and as a musician. Uh, I'm aware of the issues connected to certain pubs, certain clubs, where you see different elements of support. You know, this, as I say, it's a deep-rooted virus in Scotland. Again, strong words. I think Scotland is a sectarian country, and I think the west of Scotland is the capital of that sectarian country. Politicians, elected members and clubs must work in partnership and don't use that as a, as a pro-forma statement for four or five days till the matter blows over. Something has to be done about it. You know, this goes, I say, this goes back over 100 years and they've an attachment to certain clubs to air their beliefs, you know, whether that's... Mm-hmm. And, and a sporting... We go to football matches and we have football as a passionate game. You cheer on your team, you shout on your team, you criticise your team, or it's another. But when it comes to the bile that we hear, routinely... Something must be done. You know, people are looking in from Scotland from afar thinking, what is going on there? I'm sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure football players in Europe and over the rest of the, the world who may have a bit of interest from, maybe, but here's an example, one of the old firm clubs, they might hear Steve Clark's comments the other night and think, I don't fancy that. That's right. Why, no, should, they, why should I go there and put myself into that atmosphere? Absolutely. Yep, yep. Chris Firm came out with comments the other day there about about the school that he had to send his kids to. Come on, it's the 21st century, for goodness sake. You know, we're no living in the dark ages, but well, at times... At it times seems like it. Steve Clark's words, mm-hmm. no, we are living in the dark ages. When you hear examples like that, yeah, maybe we are. So people looking in from other countries think, what is going on in Scotland? David, thank you very much indeed for your views. Stephen, what's yours? I've heard a lot of arguments on both sides, Ali. But when Celtic and Rangers were first built up way back in the early 1800s, it was certainly built up to split the country and make money. 
It's a business, Ali. Because that's what the, the churches are firmly to believe. I think they're the ones, the sole nominators here. They can, they'll never stop it, but they started it with this Celtic and Rangers setting this up. There's nothing to do with the poor these clubs were set up for. And you could turn the clock, you keep your roll on the clock, roll it on for, for the last hundred years. It's nothing to do with football. It's totally religion, Ali. And even these self-denominated schools, that's what they should be. Children should never have been segregated in the first place mm-hmm. into, these, into these Catholic schools through religion. They, then they get taught for an early age and the families get it drilled into them. I've seen babies in prams just out of hospital and the prams decorated, Ali, with crosses and all that, crucifixes, Celtic colours. I mean, what, 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 what message is that parent said to that child? The child can't, they can't even walk. It's drilled into them. And you can go, go to the orange walks and all that. I listen to the Orange Walks, Ali. And I go to the Celtic Football Club now again and I listen to them. It's only for 90 minutes. And see if Steve Clark or MDLs can he handle it. He wants to chuck his job because he knows for the start. It doesn't matter if it's Chelsea, Millwall, or a team out in East, Istanbul in a foreign country, Ali. It's worse out in these places. So you, you're, say, you're saying that Steve Clark should just put up with it? I, it's, it's his job, Ali. It's not his I job. It's not his job I, to be listening to that. He's a, he's a manager in a football club. He took on that job, and he knows what, what comes in, the, in, in a Scottish football game and in, in, uh, in Scottish football. It's like Neil Lennon, Graham Souness, they know exactly what they were going to these teams, and they know exactly what, what these teams were supporting. It's, it's their job. Do you think he's just going to come in here and play 90, 90 minutes or just going to sing any old daft song they want? They throw coins all, all over the place, Alec, for people. I wish folk would throw coins at me at my job. See Bin Man out in the street, Ali. What's he the abuse that you get 24 hours a day for people? Bin Man get mere abuse. Traffic wardens get mere abuse. Paulers get mere abuse. School teachers get mere abuse. And Steve Clark's worrying about something for 90 minutes. He's going to sectarianism. You'll never stamp it out, Ali. He's kidding himself, and he wants to chuck it. Okay, Stephen, that's his view. What's yours? 0333 2020 401. Scotland's Talking. The podcast. Uh, Ian's on the line. Ian, good morning. Morning, Ali. Ali, great to hear you. Now I've put the radio off. Somebody's using an electric drill and I can hardly hear the radio. But turn, you're... turn it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> right. Anyway, Ali, back to your uh, back to your first topic on the on the on the program today. Ali, uh, as far as teams are concerned, I was following ice hockey for quite a time, Ali, and it's. It's a very, very violent sport uh, on the ice. But off the ice, I mean, there's a lot of enthusiasm and everything with it. But honestly, it's a great night and it's absolutely fantastic. It's happening all over Scotland. See maybe six venues, ice rinks and whatever. But see, as far as football's concerned, I think it must be costing the nation an absolute fortune. See when either of the two teams, based in the culture city, See if they're travelling. Just say, uh, uh, whether it be Dundee or Perth or Edinburgh or whatever, uh, the, the, just say the, the, the police, the police that are, that are uh, minding what's going on. If they're inside the ground, well, that costs the, costs the club a lot of money. If it's outside the ground, that costs us a lot of money. Now, Ali, if any of the two big teams in the West come any or go anywhere else, they'll need to... Uh, booster up their, their their police force because they are maybe talking about 100, 150 policemen to, to manage 
uh, all the all the situation that's either happening before the game, during the game, or after the game. And honestly, to me, they just take violence everywhere they went. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys that portrays this violence all the time uh, is what is well, okay. Then we were talking about earlier on a high hygiene, a very much respected person in the law world. A uh, parading up doing. I've heard him. I can what he's like. He's just an absolute bigot. Ali, I think I don't know if there's any way in your first caller, uh, Mr. Scott, trying his best, his absolute damnedest for 20 years to try and stamp out all this, uh, all this bigotry and whatever. Ali, it's there through and through. And another thing I see, Ali, is in my mind, it's no religious thing in some respects because right, it just coming up to 11 o'clock. Ali, if it was religious, they would all be at the church now. Well, You're not there and near That's because I'm here and I've got to go to the news soon, so I'll leave it there. Uh, that's your opinion. Thank you. You say it's not a religious thing. Here's another comment that comes in on uh, text here. The cause is religion. Look at the rest of the world and the wars religion has caused. Uh, this another one here uh, comes in from Ronnie and he says this sectarianism is not a West of Scotland um, soul thing. A colleague of mine in Dundee had to resign and take company to an employment tribunal union and company said it was banter. Employment tribunal took the opposite view. So it is happening across Scotland, not just the West of Scotland. That's Ronnie in Dundee. Let's go to Willie in Dundee as well. Willie, good morning. Good morning, Ali. Um I'll, yes, I'm in Dundee, and I take it from uh, a perspective of, of the East Coast. But um, basically, in my opinion, it's all down to people teaching children hatred. This has gone on and on and on. I, I remember about 20-odd years ago, I was watching a programme uh, about young offenders in an institute, and I had interviews with these young offenders about their backgrounds. And one young lad actually thanked his uncle for teaching him how to hate. And I was absolutely appalled to hear somebody say that. And that's the root of it. If people didn't teach their children how to hate, we wouldn't have this in Scotland. And it's just totally a part of growing up for some people. It's a part of life. They're, they're, they're born, they're brought up in a family with an affiliation, and they are taught all the things they, their family think they need to know. And, and that's why it goes on and on and on. So it's starting in the schools, do you think, as well? No, why would it start in the schools? I, I went through the Catholic school system and not once were we taught to hate Protestants. Not once did anyone tell us that we should hate Protestants. That's, I grew up, my best man was a Protestant. I, all my best friends are Protestants. I have never, ever uh, participated in that kind of thing. And, and that's ridiculous. Scotland seems to be the only country in the world that I know of that has Catholic schools and they're seen as a problem. All across America there are Catholic schools for Catholics and there's no problems with, with people saying that they, they breed intolerance, that they breed 
uh, an anti-Protestant view. It's only in Scotland that I'm aware, and the north of Ireland, that I'm aware that Catholic schools are seen as problematic. Willie, I'm going to have to leave it there just because I'm up against the clock here to get up to the news. Thank you for that. We'll continue talking about sectarianism in the next hour. And also, do you think the traditional British political system is broken after the breakaways? On the news is next. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. We've been talking about sectarianism and asking the question in the last hour, are we still living in the dark ages? Uh, lots of comments coming in on social media and also uh, on the phone lines, which is great. Uh, a reminder how you can get in contact with any of the subjects we're talking about today. Uh, the phone number is 033 You can text 61054. Start your message with Ali. We're on Twitter, hashtag Scotland's Talking, and the email address is ali at thegreatersits.co.uk. Uh, One that comes in from Anne, she says, agree with you that sectarianism is more prevalent throughout society, but it's particularly bad in the west of Scotland and in certain towns. The divide is particularly amplified. Being personally subjected to this by a neighbour who views his life through the sectarianism prism, um, had to endure sectarianism songs being played at full blast on a loop uh, at least all times day and night and comments and other antisocial behaviour. Why can't people just live and let live? Thank you for that. Um, Keep those calls and comments coming in. I'd also like to to talk this morning about the state of the British party political system. Is it broken, do you think, after the breakaways? MPs have walked away from Labour and the Conservatives in the last week. Can you ever really remember a time like that? I mean, back in the 80s, we had the Labour Party in turmoil at the formation of the SDP. Then in the 90s, the Tories were tearing themselves apart over Europe. But have we ever had a period where both of them, they're so divided and they're so divided at the same time? Heidi Allen made a passionate speech explaining why she was leaving the Conservatives who she says have become the nasty party again. I shouldn't have to feel that the only option left open to me is to take a camera crew around the country to shine a devastating spotlight on poverty. It shouldn't be this hard. I believed I was part of a party who worked collaboratively, welcomed knowledge and had the empathy to feel. But I have slowly but surely realised that I am not. I can no longer represent a government and a party who can't open their eyes to the suffering endured by the most vulnerable in society. Suffering which we have deepened whilst having the power to fix. The Conservatives were always recognised as the party of economic competence. But when we allowed a Cabinet Minister to say F business and we have a Prime Minister bullied into submission by the ERG and is now dragging the country and Parliament, kicking and screaming to the edge of a no-deal abyss. I'm done. Heidi Allen there. Now, the issue that has brought this to a head for Heidi and the other Tory defectors is Brexit. Anna Soubry, who's perhaps the most prominent of the Remainers, says she's had enough. You don't join a political party to fight it, and you don't stay in it 
and skirmish in the margins when the truth is the battle is over and the other side has won. The right wing, the hardline anti-EU awkward squad that have destroyed every leader for the last 40 years are now running the Conservative Party from top to toe. They are the Conservative Party. Dear friends, and they are dear friends, now former colleagues who share those One Nation values and principles, will of course today deny it. But I believe in their heads and in their hearts, they know it's over. Anna Subri with her thoughts. Theresa May says she's saddened by their decision to leave and insists she's doing the right thing for Britain by delivering Brexit. For Luciana Berger, who's one of the eight MPs who've left Labour, the final straw was anti-Semitism among the hard left. I have become embarrassed and ashamed to remain in the Labour Party. I have not changed. The core values of equality for all, opportunity for all, anti-racism against all, and social justice. The values which I hold really dear and which led me to join the Labour Party as a student almost 20 years ago, remain who I am. And yet these values have been consistently and constantly violated, undermined and attacked, as the Labour Party today refuses to put my constituents and our country before party interest. I cannot remain in a party that I have today come to the sickening conclusion is institutionally anti-Semitic. I am leaving behind a culture of bullying, bigotry and intimidation. Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn thinks they should fight a by-election to get their seats back. These MPs now want to abandon the policies on which they were elected. So the decent and democratic thing for them to do is to resign and put themselves up for election. So... Do you think this is the start of a new era or is it just something you think that's maybe just going to fizzle out? Here in Scotland, we've got used to coalitions or minority governments at Holyrood with a sprinkling of known independents like Dennis Canavan and the late Margot MacDonald. Why couldn't it work at Westminster? What do you think? Just looking at one uh, social media one that's coming in here from Jamie. Uh, these politicians are acting like spoiled children. The referendum didn't go their way, so they're having a tantrum. Thank you, Jamie, for that. And one in on the f- my Facebook uh, from Fiona. Uh, think the politicians defecting should have to face by-elections as they are not representing their voters. And why is Scotland's first minister at the Brexit table? Why has our country been ignored during these talks? I think not at the table you think you're talking about. Uh, I do think these guys are more Tony Blair types, whatever that means. Okay. Uh, Jonathan Rainey. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Ali. How are you doing? I'm okay, thank you. Right. What's your view on this then? Well, my view on it is that, well, it's quite laughable to say the least when you form, when you want to be an independent MP and then join another group. I mean, it's not really anything but for independence. Mm-hmm. So, if anything, these people could have actually just quit their parties and just run as an independent. I mean, it's not uncommon for MPs or politicians to actually run as an independent politician, whether it be in local council elections or maybe even in the Scottish elections. I mean, it's not uncommon. 
So rather than just hanging on, and that's a bit of the way that I thought initially, they're just hanging on here. If they if they were to have a by-election, they could be out of a job, right? So yeah, they're, they're, absolutely, that really could happen. And so therefore, they've got together, and, and you make a very good point. By getting together, they're not independent. Yep, because if you're going to be in a group, well, it's a group and that's that. Yes, they just haven't got really got a name yet, have they? Um, or, or is it the independence group? I'm not quite sure what they're, they're going to call themselves. Yeah, it's rather they just probably call themselves the, well, probably the pro-EU group. I mean, because let's face it, all of them actually are Remainers. And all of them, I mean, and they claim to all represent the people, in fact, most of them. But I'd like to mention a few, including Anna Sobri, who represents her constituency of Brockstow. And apparently... She claims to be one of those who wants to be back in the EU, but in reality, her own constituency actually voted to leave by 55% in that time frame. Right. So she's going against what the people voted for? Or well, voted not just her. her. I mean, there's also Gavin Shooker, forgive me if I pronounce his surname properly, of Luton South. I mean, his own constituency was actually one half of the main constituency of Luton, I voted to leave by actually 56.5%. And then there's Chris Leslie of Nottingham East, who's part of a city that I voted actually by a narrower margin to actually leave at 50.8%. So they're not all representing what the people really want. And not all people actually really like those MPs anyhow. So by doing what they're doing then, just listening to you and the statistics that you've given us there, um, they're in the main, their constituencies voted to leave. These people are remainers, so they're, yeah. they're doing what they want, not what their constituents want. Yeah, exactly. It's only what they want, and not really what the people want. I mean, if you want to call yourself an independent group, but then be pro-European Union, well, it's not exactly really a rebellious thing, in my opinion. It's a blooming mess, Jonathan, let's face it. The whole thing at the moment politics in Westminster. We you know, we we've got companies in the UK who don't know whether they're coming or going, what they're doing, um, regarding getting products possibly coming in, um, maybe not being able to get products out. We've got companies thinking of moving uh the their premises. What's your take on it all? Well it's really all just, you know, fear mongering and that. I mean some people some people mainly these companies don't really quite understand the boom-bust economic cycles out there. And we kind of are actually approaching the actually the, bu- the bust part of the cycle, which usually happens every te- usually every 10 years. I mean, first was 1998 and 2000. Then the next was 2008, where we had the bad recession then. And all over Europe, not just in Europe and the UK, but all over the world, there's actually starting to be signs of the bust cycle occurring. So when we hear claims of companies having to go bust, I mean, it's not just in the likes of the UK balls in the US, as well as Canada, as well and elsewhere. It's all starting to fall on the same line, sort of similar to what happened back in 2008. So not all the economic problems that are happening actually are to do with Brexit at all. Well, you had the the, the um, Honda Motor Company who are saying they're pulling out of the UK came forward and said it has nothing to do with Brexit. So they've put it... On, on the line there, but there, there are others that, um, one of the uh, other things that I do is I'm a motoring journalist, I've, I've got a, um, was interviewing on Friday, I think it was, 
uh, the sales director for Mazda UK uh, for the, the podcast that I've got up and which will be up sometime next week. An interesting interview because he's saying that, you know, that what he's having to do at the moment is to find compounds to bring cars in now and store them just in case it all goes the wrong way. And that's costing his company extra money. So it's having well, an effect. Well, the main wrong way that could end up occurring is, like as you described, there could be a case of a no-deal Brexit where the government actually does not try to choose any independent trade deals with other countries around the world, like Japan, as well as the US and elsewhere. But I also have the feeling that some other countries in Europe, like, let's say, Poland and Italy, which are increasingly against the European Union, want to try and do independent trade deals. And even Portugal has said they want to do independent trade deals with the UK, but they feel as if the European Union is trying to get directly in the way of what they want, uh, rather than just really in the best interests of well, how trade should really happen. Mm. OK, Jonathan, thank you very much indeed for calling in with your view. That's what Scotland's talking is all about. Uh, opinions, if you'd like to give us yours, or treble three twenty twenty. 401 is the number, whether you want to talk about uh, sectarianism or indeed uh, the, the state of British politics. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. 0333 2020 401. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. And we're going to spend the next few minutes hearing a story about the impact of knife crime. Our chief reporter, Hope Webb, has been speaking exclusively to the mum of an 11-year-old boy who was threatened with a blade by a teenager in a park in Edinburgh. Thankfully, he wasn't hurt in the incident at Drylaw Park last Saturday. But Kerry McQuaig has been telling Hope how the family have been left terrified. They went to go and play on the skate park and one of the boys kind of told them to leave he pulled out a knife on him and said, if you don't and leave, I'll cut you up or slice you up, whatever it was. So he kind of apologised for some reason, backed off and phoned me. And obviously that phone call is, I would imagine, not the, <laughs> the worst phone call you could probably receive. It is literally, I think, the worst thing I think I've ever heard in my life. When you hear a child saying to you that somebody's been pointing a knife at them, it's horrific. It is a parent's worst nightmare. And there's been a lot of reaction to it online. I'm assuming people have been coming to you, is it uh, kind of supporting you? And, yeah. and yeah. Obviously, I put up a post on Facebook hoping that we generate some kind of time for the boy either to come forward or one of his friends to own up to it or to do the right thing. He has literally turned our lives upside down in the space of a two-minute action. He's got no idea what he's done to us. And what's been your son's reaction since the, the incident? I mean... Um, being honest with you, that night and every night since he's been glued to me, Normally, playing the computer in his room, whatever, but he's literally never left my side. Just wee things. I keep checking on him in his bed, making sure he's all right. Just silly wee things that you think something could go wrong at any time. 
And I guess the key for you now is for the police to, to catch the person responsible for this. I mean, if you could speak to that person or maybe anyone who knows who is responsible, what would you say? Do the right thing. Put a family's mind at ease. You've turned our life upside down. The parents, if you know your son's done something like that, do the right thing. Because if it was me and my son done anything like that, absolutely I'd be dragging him to the nearest police station. So there we are, the thoughts of Mum Kerry McQuaig telling Hope how the family have been left terrified. And, and the boy himself, I mean, 11, you know, is this 11-year-old in a play park threatened by a blade? Is is that something, though, we just come to accept? As, you know, we used to read of, it's like I talk about often where um, in days gone by when we heard of somebody uh, being assaulted or being murdered even it would be front page news now it gets a few lines inside because it's it happens so often um has knife crime affected you and your family as it has quite obviously affected kerry and goodness knows how it will have affected her son in in the next few years i just hope he can get over that but uh, he just might not want to be on his own again for a while you know he just just won't trust Anybody, is that something that's happened to you and your family? Can you relate to that? Give us a call and and let us know. You don't have to give us your name if you don't want to, but it'd be interesting. I mean, Kerry's saying, you know, that do we really just let people away with this? I mean, police have told us they're investigating the incident, but nobody has been arrested uh, at the moment. So what, what is happening to Scotland as a society? when 11-year-olds can't play in a play park without a blade being uh, or a knife being pulled on them because, obviously, the other person didn't like their face or didn't like what they'd said. Or, indeed, you know, I would imagine the, the person is around about the same age group and that's that's how he's been brought out, to leave the house, to go and play into a play park with a knife. Take a knife with you. treble three twenty twenty four oh one is the number. Back to some of the calls then. John, how are you? How are you doing, Alex? Not bad at all, sir. Yes, this is something that I feel very strongly about, Alex. When a youth or a person decides to carry a knife, whether it's for defence or whether it's for... It doesn't matter what it's for. If they get into a scrape and that knife's produced, one of two things is going to happen. He's going to knife somebody or somebody's going to take a knife off him and knife him. Now, there was a judge in Glasgow called Judge Pickles who was uh, infamous during the Razor Wars in Glasgow. And what he done was he made it clear, he went into the High Court and he made it clear to all and sundry, if you come in front of me we are raised up crime. You will get five years hard labour. End of story. It won't be discussed. Now, Ali, we need to put a clear message out as a society in Glasgow, in fact, in, in the country, that if you're going to carry a knife, if you're caught, you need to get sentenced and hammered with a sentence. And none of this carry on about, um, oh, 
well, I had a hard upbringing and I had this and I had that. Well, there's six months or uh, something like that. No. Ten year, Ali. Ten year. That's what it should be. No discussions. Nay leave. Nay good behaviour. Nay getting out early. Nothing. You carry a knife, you're caught, you get ten years. Because, see the destruction, just what that woman says. Somebody gets knifed, somebody gets killed, and it's a continual route after that because the person goes to jail, they do a couple of years, they come out, the other person's family's looking for them, they get stabbed, the other person goes into jail. No, that's stop there and make it clear. That's what society's doing. Ten years. But that's Ali. that's not that's not what we do nowadays, is it? It doesn't seem to be we do nobody wants to come out with the the judges don't want to come out with the this is what I'm going to do because the the judges are being told by the politicians what they do. Aye, but it, it shouldn't be Ali. The politics see this is what it really gets me about politicians. They don't live in our world. They live in the political world. They live in the 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 wee fancy world in Westminster and all the rest of it. Try living in the real world, Alex. I've got I'm, I'm a taxi driver. I've got a person in my motor than who who was stabbed in the head, stabbed in the head for no reason, just getting out of motor when he was listening to this. Yeah, that's what he's telling you that it was for no reason. There must have been some reason oh, behind it. Right. How has that affected you then? How has that affected you as far as socially is concerned? Thank you for that. I, I don't think when you jumped into to John's taxi, you probably thought you were going to be relating that story on the radio. So thanks very much indeed for doing that. And thanks, John, for your call. Uh, let's go to Billy. Hi, Billy. Hi, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. What's your topic uh, you want to I've, talk about? I've, I've been listening to your phone this morning and I'm reading the media and I've heard uh, Brendan Rogers describe it as an orange walk and I've heard your pal, uh, your, one of your callers, as an orange walk. We don't do orange walks. We, we, we demonstrate. But that, to my opinion, that is not Scotland's shame. Scotland's shame is child abuse. And four, four employees of Celtic Football Club were sent to prison for child abuse and absolutely no mention of it in this programme as up, up to now. Well, I, I, we were talking about the, the comments that uh, Steve Clark had made. That was how it started but, off. You uh, know, but, yes, um, I know, but, but Steve Clark. Steve Clark and Brendan Rodgers have, 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 have uh, put this as Scotland's shame. Surely child abuse is Scotland's shame. And it's happening at Celtic Football Club where their employees have been sent to prison for it. And there's not a word getting said about that. Well, I think it's been well reported. I mean, Billy, I mean, you've got you to gotta say a few years ago it wouldn't have been reported. I think it's the media have handled it and it's... it's, Ob- it's... Obviously, it wouldn't have been reported. They got away with it for 30 years. Mm-hmm. They got away with child abuse for 30 years. And not, not nothing was done about that. And now it's came to light, nobody wants to speak about that. 
But that Scotland shame, it's not what people come on your phone and say, orange walks up. Stevie Clark was just a quick to jump on the bandwagon the week previous when Chris Boyd was getting hit with coins and what have you. Okay, Billy, thank you very much for your call. Uh, Gavin, hello. Hi there, Ali. Hi, Gavin. <clears throat> I'd like to just uh, try and get a few things put say, uh, right here, you know. They talk about sectarianism, right? Now, nil by mouth, the radio, TV, politicians, nobody ever mentions this, right? Now, it comes up once every ten years or eight years, then it's swept under the carpet again. This country, this United Kingdom, is set in sectarianism. The Act of Settlement from 1707, the Constitution of our country, said that a Catholic will never, repeat, never sit on the throne of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. That's, your, that's what this country's built on. Now, if that's no sectarianism, I do not know what is. So stop blaming football... Stop blaming this and that. Let the media, which they never seem to touch, I think they're frightened of MI5 or something, or the politicians, the media, the radio, the TV, let them see that the roots of this country is based on sectarianism for the Act of Settlement. And that still stands today. Just like the Americans with the right to bear arms, we seem to have a right not to have a Catholic sitting on the throne of Great Britain. But surely, and I think that is absolutely terrible. Surely, Gavin, the fact that I'm talking about it this morning, you're saying that the, the media um, hide away from uh, from it. The question I've asked uh, is, are we still living in the dark ages? I'm, yes, I'm, yes. Talk, I'm talking about it on the radio. You're getting a chance to put your view. Surely that's a way forward. Yeah, but I've phoned up null by mouth. I've been in touch with MPs. Um, they'll say, right, we'll look at it, they'll take notes down. It came up in Parliament, I don't know, maybe six, seven years ago, and then it all just gets hushed away and nothing said. Then they start blaming... I mean, I used to go to Old Firm games years ago. There was 50 arrests before the game, maybe 100 during the game, maybe another 50 after it. Glasgow police stations were packed. Nowadays, you go to an Old Firm game, you're lucky if you get two or three arrests. I think that's been... A great thing, mm-hmm. you know. So don't blame football. Blame the constitution of this country. Okay, Gavin. Thank you very much indeed. Coming up next on Scotland's Talking, any other business? So we've been talking about sectarianism. We've been talking about knife crimes, and also the way the British Party political system is possibly broken after the breakaways. Uh, there's also an opportunity in the next ten, fifteen minutes of the program for you to bring up a subject that hasn't been raised. If you there's something you want to talk about, uh, something you want to get off your chest, that's what we're here for. For the next uh, ten minutes or so, uh, that number is O Treble Three Twenty Twenty. 401. So if there's something you want to get off your chest that we haven't spoken about, or indeed if it's a comment on one of the comments you've already heard, that's okay by me. That number again, 033-2020-401. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin. Sophie is in Stranraer. Good morning, Sophie. Hi there. What's your point? My point is, um, I just wanted to query, really, when um, the guy in the taxi said that he'd been stabbed just getting out of a cab on his birthday, 
your reaction was to say what had he done to deserve it or to, you know, um, create the situation. And I just felt, felt it was quite a harsh thing to ask when we're all giving sympathy to this mother of a child who um, was, as her child was threatened. And, you know, but, so does that mean that her child did something mm. to warrant being... You know, and this does come from a mother of a boy that was stabbed. That the police, we, and I can, I can rest assured, I can tell everyone listening, that when you, the worst phone call you can imagine is to be told to get to hospital because your son's being worked on. And now nothing ever came of the perpetrators that did this to my son because they said it was, um, they believed it was mistaken identity. He was just walking to the shop. He was 20. He th- they thought he was someone else and stabbed him. He survived. You know, mm, he's, he's right. scarred. But it just made me think that my boy didn't deserve that. And, it, you know, the police put it down to mistaken identity. And I just thought it was quite a harsh reality that, you know, you would ask, what did the man in the taxi do? Well, I, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't mean it to sound in the way that probably you've taken it because what I was doing was trying to get a, um, get a reaction from him who was in the back of the taxi and, and, yeah. and that's what exactly <laughs> happened, um, you know. So, yeah, uh, yeah but I, I see what you're saying. It would affect someone like yourself and maybe uh, others who I, I wasn't saying for a moment that they must have done something to deserve it. But uh, no, because there are too many people going about uh, assaulting and using knives for no reason on people. I know that. It's I, I read, horrific. Yeah, absolutely. And, it's, and the man that was driving the taxi, good on him. And you know what? If he wanted to get into Parliament, I'd be voting. Because, you know, you, you need people to speak up and say there needs to be a minimum sentence. These kids need to be scared of carrying a knife. More, you know, more than the damage they can do with it. There needs to be fear. Mm. Yeah. Put into them. Imagine. Whereas that, that's not happening at the moment, is it? There seems to I be no fear. So. No. God, no. It's not happening one bit. I mean, an, an 11-year-old boy being threatened. How can you not let your kids go to the skate park anymore? Sophie, thank you very much indeed. Uh, John, hello. Hey, good morning, Ali. What it's about is about the council tax. Okay. Where, did, where does this Scottish government get, I mean, the budget... The amount of money we've got to pay, everybody got to pay this for this council tax. As a pensioner, my wife gets £75 a week as a pensioner. Well, if I have a, a, another pension, where do we get the money from? I mean, I mean, even if we've got a rise, Ali, it may only be a, a 1% if you do get it. I mean, the council tax is going to affect everybody. Even, even the Queen, she's on about estates like going to be... Well, but she should be worried, but... we, we have, John, I'm, I'm going to cut in here because I've got a full flashing switchboard at the moment, so I just want to keep it brief. But I know the councils have just set their, their, their budgets. They've come out and said, you know, over the last few days, and some have still got to do it yet, uh, as to what their budgets are going to be. Um, local councils, like yours and, and like mine, are blaming... Um, the lack of money they're getting from the Scottish government. The Scottish government are blaming the lack of money they're getting from from Westminster. Who who do you see is at fault? And should we just swallow? Mrs. Should... <laughs> Sturgeon, the, the government will go it. She's busy wondering about all the all over the world, and the government will go is in trouble. The one we've got a Scottish nationalists anyway. Another three years to go. I don't know what they're going to do in that next three years, Ali. Okay, John. Thank you very much indeed. 
for that. Uh, I think that's a, a programme in itself coming up and the cuts that are maybe happening in your area, see, and uh, in Dundee, they're, they're the biggest one that um, has created a lot of publicity is that they're going to do away with principal teachers, head teachers. Uh, they're going to do away with these posts to save some money. Is that right that we're gambling like this with our children's future and our children's children's future? It's just education. Shouldn't be tampering with it. Shouldn't be tampering with it at all, in my opinion. Uh, maybe there's, I say, uh, one for a future programme. Martin is in Thane. Hi, Martin. How are you doing? Hi, Ali. Good morning. Good morning to you. I'd just like to um, mention about Steve Clark and his performance after the Rangers game on uh, Wednesday. <clears throat> the guy is so out of touch. It's unbelievable. The um, the problem has started isn't due to Rangers or Celtic. It's a division at a very early age of the school's alley. Mm-hmm. I used to live in Whitburn, West Lothian, go along the street in the morning, jump my pals' doors, go to schools, we'd get to the front door, they would go to the Catholic school, we would go to the state school, fight with them through the playtimes, the dinner times, meet up and play football uh, on the way home. So it's in there from a very early age. It's like feeding children pizzas and chocolate. They're going to end up fat. I live in the north of Scotland now, been here for 35 years. There's no Catholic schools. The children up here wouldn't know what a Fenian or an Orange Bee even was. They've no idea what it is. I'm a season ticket holder. In fact, two season tickets at Ibrox. I never miss um, a home game. My mother was a Catholic. My sisters are Catholics. And my wife, for nearly 40 years, is a Catholic. And... uh, but you cannot put that at the door of football clubs. Dave King's doing his best. I'm sure Celtic do their best. Stop the schools, Ali. One Scotland, one school. OK, Martin, I'm going to leave it there. As I say, I'm uh, up against the clock now. Uh, I want to squeeze David in. David, hello. Hello, Ali. Hi hey, there. Thanks for taking the call. That's all um, right. Are we favour of you all? Do you have access to a computer? And can you look up Google? I don't have time now because I've got two minutes no. left. OK, right. Well, if you look it up, what you'll see is it says that the meaning of the word Fenian is to do with an Irish brotherhood that was revolutionaries for the 18th century that was then taken over in effect by the IRA. So the people that say such a thing is sectarian are, shall we say, they've got something in it. Nell Bymouth and Dave Scott, quite frankly, if they don't continue this industry, then they're out of job. And that's where they come from. There was a sectarian murder about 20 years ago that led to them being uh, set up. Mm-hmm. The only one, to my knowledge, in Scotland, or certainly west of Scotland since, was an unfortunate Muslim shopkeeper who was killed by another fellow from another Muslim sect. And I would just like to uh, back up what that last caller said. Because some years ago, we moved to a new town in my daughter, who was three at the time, became very friendly. We last year across the road was friendly, um, and they played together. We girl went to school at uh, coming up on five. Within a fortnight, she told she was coming back and what she'd learned at school, and she said, in effect, to my daughter, I can't play with you anymore. You'll know God to heaven because you're a Protestant. Yeah. And that gentleman, what he said, that is absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. That is the elephant in the room. The politicians will not address it because 
of their voting demographics. Thank you for listening to me. David, thank you very much indeed. Our final call today because we have uh, run really out of time. My apologies to uh, all the, the lines that are flashing away at the moment on the on the switchboard. We have had uh, quite a few in on social media as well. Uh, taking the calls and looking at social media has been Karen today. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. Right. Uh, give me some of the uh, social media ones then just as we go out of the programme now. So Isabel said the two big clubs get blamed for everything in Scottish football. She's been shocked to hear um, some home fans chant as well but she believes it's down to a person's upbringing and Kevin said heard an ex-player on the TV yesterday saying he'd been given abuse but he got on with it Kevin feels they should be confronting it or nothing will change and David said it's a Celtic Rangers problem which is his opinion which is why the SFA won't deduct points because it just affects those two teams there we go it's all about opinions and we've had yours this morning thank you very much indeed for your company this has been Scotland's talking